Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, welcome back, folks. We're going to get right to Gordon and the, the North Mesa on the phone here. He kind of hung through the news, but we do have three lines open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM. Gordon in North Mesa, good morning. Yeah, good morning and Merry Christmas to you, Brian. To you as well. I have a question. Uh, I've got a... Uh, uh, Florida Prince uh, peach tree, uh-huh. and it's doing really well. In fact, it's doing so well that last year when I pruned it off, uh, we got some really good uh, crop on it. But this year, the branches have just grown out, you know, probably six, eight, nine feet off from where they were when we pruned it last time. And I guess my question is, how far back can I prune it, and will I lose any of the uh, the new growth my cutting off uh, to me back uh, those great big long branches. Well, Gordon, you know, if you go look at them in California where they grow lots of commercial peaches, uh, they, they butcher them every year. And, you know, what they'll try and do is get them to come up about four to five feet and then go horizontal. And then they come up at about a 40 degree angle. And then they'll top them off where they're about eight to 10 feet wide. And that's how they maintain them to be able to harvest the biggest, best quality peaches. And with a peach like Florida Prince or Desert Gold, you really want to, you know, not have as many fruit on it anyway or separate them six or eight inches so you get a lot bigger, nicer peaches. And they can make wonderful big peaches if they're thin. Okay, I guess, uh, yeah, because we because of the birds, you know, we tried to net it last year. Well, right. So, yeah. well. well, and that's where you, re- when you, re- you know, contain its size. It makes all those processes right. much easier. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I guess I, when you say the new uh New growth is where the uh, the buds and the peaches will come from. Right. I didn't want to cut off. I didn't know what the definition of new growth was. Was it all that great big long stems, or was it after I cut the stems? Well, thin, no, no, thin, thin, thin the stems out and take all the, you know, you're just going to reduce the tree, probably its foliage, you know, the overall tree, by up to maybe 60 or 70%. Okay. Because they, they they do grow with, oh. you know, peaches grow really fast. Now, they usually only live, you know, in good production for about 10 to 15 years. But, you know, we, they're little workhorses. They're kind of like bees, you know. We, we let them work so we can get that great fruit or the honey. Okay, well, that's great. Uh, yeah, we're... we're a little over 80 years old, so another 10 years. <laughs> we'll let somebody else worry about it. Hey, I've got okay. my my, ni- my 93-year-old mother-in-law lives with us, so that's how it works. We have fun. <laughs> Congratulations. We, we, we've got an employee who's 93, too, so, you know, that's, and he's working, so. Hey, yeah, well, maybe the <laughs> 80s, the new 50. <laughs> yeah, you never know. But, okay. you know, the most important thing is we enjoy life and each other. Gordon, thanks for calling. Have a nice holiday. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Tom and Waddell, but Tom, I'm going to grab this one quick. Good morning. You're on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Sure. Had to run out real quick. So I just grabbed you. Just, just to find, just a teaser. <laughs> Here she comes. Who am I speaking with? Uh, John. Hi, John. Um, I've got a, um, 
three plants growing in my uh, backyard, but they're coming betw- in between the um, the the patio pavers. Okay, uh, but, but they're beautiful plants, and they've got these little um, little berries on them. They look like M and M's, maybe a little bit bigger. And I'm just wondering if this is a weed, or if this is a uh, some kind of a plant. Is the is the foliage kind of? Does it have a blue flower on it? No, they don't. They have a the the leaves are elongated, maybe about two inches long, three mm-hmm. inches long, right, and wavy on each side. Okay, and are they green? But they're they're green foliage. Uh, yes. Okay, and then the fruits. What color? Uh, yellow. They look like M and M's. That sounds like chamomile. That sound. That's a, a not very pleasant weed as it goes. Oh, it is a weed. Yeah, okay. and if you let if you let it go, it'll it'll spread. And okay. those, you know, and it's one that we didn't have here ten years ago, but it gets okay. in areas and spreads through desert and through rocks, and and it's one of the ones that can live past like the desert patina. You know, out in the desert, not many uh, weeds actually will grow because you know the natural way that the, the the other plants put out things to keep weeds from growing, but that one does, and so that one's that one's one I would get rid of soon. I'll get rid of it today. Yeah, don't 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 let it go. Don't let it continue and go to flower. You'll have them everywhere, and you won't be very happy. You'll blame okay, the you'll hoping. blame the host for letting you keep that pretty little weed. Yeah, okay. I was hoping it was maybe a little tomato plant because when I, I busted up in one of the little berries, it kind of smelled like a tomato. A cherry oh tomato. no, okay, that's different. So it's a little berry. Not okay. So that's that's different. You know what? If you could, it sounds like blue weed to me. But if you would take and send me a, a picture to the website at Whitfield Nursery, I'll tell you for sure what it is. But that okay. sounds that sounds more like blue weed. But the flower, okay. you say the flowers weren't blue. No, the no. Well, I did. Hmm, you know, what's blue, green. Uh, now that you mention it, I'm not sh- sure. We're not, uh, you know, I-, I think they're more green than blue. Okay, because the blue weed has a blue flower, a little yellow fruit like that. It's also a hard one to kill, but it doesn't spread so much as the chamomile does. Okay, well, I, I think uh, I'll get rid of them. Be on the safe side. You can keep your Thanks cute little Ryan. weeds. You know, you can you know dig and you burn and you keep your all your cute, cute little weeds. But have a nice day. Bye bye, uh, Tom and Waddell. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Just had a quick quick question. So I was cleaning up uh, the bottom of a couple of I guess pineapple. Uh, palms mm-hmm. and just cleaning it up to the trunk and when I did I'd taken away the old cut off pieces and there was a lot of grubs in there is that uh-huh. something I should be concerned with no that's pretty normal I mean it's a really nice air conditioned place for you know insects and, and critters to live in and uh, you know there's sure. nothing prettier than pruning up a Canary Island palm when it's large enough to have the pineapple form and, and cut it in and typically Tom we just do that with a sharp shovel we just take a file on a shovel, clean and, them up. yeah, to clean them up like that, mm-hmm. and then uh, you take a chainsaw or, or another saw, and even a sawzall, and round out that top pineapple. But you'll find all kinds of things yeah. living in there. You know, you'll see roaches and just all different kinds of stuff. But really, nothing in there is going to harm oh, the had, tree. 
Okay, had scorpions when I first moved in in there, but they're gone now. But anyway, I just wanted to be concerned, see if yeah. I need to be concerned and treated or not. I'll let them, let them be. Yeah, they're just living in the air-conditioned, uh, you know, because you look at how much insulation that is. That's more than most houses have. <laughs> and uh, so it's right. nice and cool in there compared or warm compared to being out in the desert. Tom, thanks for the call. Yep. Great. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, let's see. Next, we've got Cheryl in Sun City. But after Cheryl, we've got three open lines. A number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. Merry Christmas. To you as well. Thank you. See, I have a lot of potted plants on my patio. And petunias, cyclamen, poinsettias, and geranium. No, they haven't been doing it. I think the cold weather, they're not growing as well. I transplanted my poinsettia. Can I leave that out in the sun during the day? Absolutely. I mean, it'll benefit from being in the sun during the day, but poinsettias out of all the cyclamen you can't hurt with cold. And geraniums okay. are fairly frost hardy. But poinsettias, on the other hand, if they get much below about 40, 45, they'll get the wilt. And if they get down to you know anywhere close to freezing, they'll freeze. So okay. that's one that likes to stay warmer and it likes to stay oh. a little drier too. They don't want to be as wet. You know, you can let a poinsettia right. get to the point where it droops before you water it again. So yeah, I, I have, I haven't watered any of the plants since that last rain because they seem so moist, but mm-hmm. my cyclamen isn't doing that well. It was blooming and now it's, it's, it's alive, but the blooms aren't that well and no. I haven't watered them. That's been a couple of weeks. I would check the soil, you know, either with a moisture meter or your finger, because I would think all those plants would need water more frequently than that. Okay. And my geranium, some of the leaves are kind of yellowing, but the flowers are pretty. Well, geraniums, you have to clean, you know, <laughs> and of all plants, they're, they're, uh, they take more cleaning, but they bloom better and are prettier here than, than most anything else. But so, you know, we have to go through those and, pr- and pull out the dead leaves and deadhead the bad flowers. And, and geraniums, you take a little more work because it doesn't all self-shed very easily, but they can be awfully pretty plants. Okay, well, I'm going to fertilize them today later on. Okay, well, you know, water them first, fertilize them, and water them again, and uh, I think they'll all be happy. Okay, all right, well, thank you so much. Thank you, Cheryl. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have three lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. It's Sharon Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Of course, we can't forget Troy Barrett on the news either. And we'll be right back. In the meantime, number to call, 602-277-5827 for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM, KTAR. The mood is right, the spirit's up, we're here tonight, and that's enough, simply having a wonderful Christmas time, simply having a wonderful Christmas time, the party's on, the feeling's here, that only comes, Time of year, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Well, we hope you all are happy. 
having a wonderful Christmas time. It's a beautiful Christmas time here in Sunny Slope. You can see the clouds over the mountains. The, the clouds are like the blanket that kept us warm last night, so we didn't freeze. Anyway, we've got one line still open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. Give Shira a call, and you could be up after Darren on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Hi, Sandy. Hey, uh, good morning. Morning. Um, I have t- two quick questions for you. I, I put in a, a Meyer lemon tree. I'm up in Carefree. Uh-huh. And uh, I put in a Meyer lemon tree about a year ago and um, didn't get any lemons. But I have a nice-looking green, you know, small tree. Uh, so my concern was, should I have gotten lemons this year? And then number two. Well, what size did you plant, in- Sandy? Um... Yeah, well, if you plant a little baby five gallon or one of those little, you know, little tiny guys, probably yeah. not. I mean, yeah. like the ones that we sell all have lemons already on them. So we, oh, we, no, we, no, no, clearly we, not that yeah, size. We just sell fifteen gallons and larger, but you know, it, it should come around and, uh, and and bear some fruit. But just take it longer. That's all. Yeah, and the frost this time of year, I, I mean, I'm up at about, it was 42 this morning. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody uh, was 42 this morning okay. because we were on a hillside. But, you know, carefree in some areas is some of the warmest, most frost-free part of the valley, depending on where you're located. So in a geographic region, if you're like on the side of a hill or up on the top of a knoll, it can be, you know, warmer than any place in Phoenix. So what it is is that cold air is going to sink and drain away from you. And if you're in the middle of an arroyo, the cold air is going to sink and run right through your property. So you really have to kind of check it, but you can't check it on a cloudy day like today. You have to check it on a clear day and whatever you want to use for your base, you know, whether you're looking at the airport or somewhere else, you know, you could probably calculate a difference. But the nice part about Meyer lemons of all citrus is they're one of the most frost hardy. So Meyer lemons and kumquats and grapefruits, those don't freeze near as easy. Great. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thank Have you, Sandy. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. It looks like Meekum and uh, Goodyear. Good morning. Hi. Uh, this is actually Mike. Oh, uh, hi, Mike. How are you? Okay, good. We just got, <laughs> we got an extra M on Mike, and I was just trying to figure that out. <laughs> oh, got this. <laughs> hey, uh, so I got maybe two questions. I'm not sure if you do anything with lawns. This is literally the first time I've ever listened. Uh-huh. Uh, and so my, I'm brain learning, and I'm curious as when you would use a a um, like a greenhouse thing, would that help with frost? Well, really, like with Bermuda, you, I, I well, with, really Bermuda, with Bermuda grass right now, we, we let it go dormant. Okay, if you get a freeze, it's going to turn brown. But the nice part about common Bermuda grass is by usually the fifteenth of February, the days are long enough and it's warm enough, it'll start to grow again. So we really let them just be kind of dormant and rest for this part of December through the most of January. Okay, and at okay. that time, you kick the water back onto a normal cycle, like in February, and throw a little bit of twenty-one uh, seven fourteen lawn food on it and stand back it'll come back very quickly um excuse me uh during the winter seeding part of it i got um overran with cheese weed Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for that? Uh, 24D, like yeah, 2, 24D works really well on it this time of year. That would be a product like Weed Be Gone. And you, you got to be careful okay. not to apply it when it's over 85 degrees. But in the wintertime, is a contact uh, herbicide that's selective. It works well. You have to keep it away from any trees or, or shrubs, but it'll it'll kill the weed and won't kill the lawn. 
Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Hey, Mike, if you're having a lot of weed problems, what you might want to do in addition is put down a pre-emergent the 1st of February. 1st of February. And and that'll keep the spring weeds from germinating. Pre-emergent. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Jim in Phoenix. Good morning, Jim. Hi. Good morning. Um... Yeah, this is Jim. I have a question about the sisal tree. I have a big sisal tree in the backyard, uh-huh. and uh, the roots are nasty, and uh, it's pushing up my retaining walls, and it's spreading it every, everywhere. I'm thinking about taking it off, okay. taking it out. But um, I heard that if you remove the tree, those roots can still remain, and they can become worse. Is that true? or uh, That's very true, Jim. So what, what you want to do is when you cut the tree down the same time, you'd want to brush a stump killer over the, the stump, and that's systemic and goes back into the roots and kills the roots. But it won't work a week later. So when you cut the tree down, you want to cut the tree down and brush the top of that tree uh, to kill it at the same time. Okay, so any tree service people should know what you're talking about, right? Well, I'm not going to say what anyone knows. I mean, a good tree okay. service person should know that. And if you okay. ju- if you just ask them, um, what would you do? And if they don't recommend something like that, then you probably want to find a different group. Okay, so okay. Uh, just just do it uh, around the way the trunk is. You don't have to trace trace all the roots all the way. Like, no, because it, feet it, away. it'll work systemic and go back in, you know, to this tree system. But you have to do it right when you cut it down. Okay, what's the product called again? Well, there's stump killers. There's different ones, you know. But there's so there's a lot of them that'll work. But you just brush it basically on the top of the of the stump. But it has to be put on, you know, right while you're cutting the tree down. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Thanks. Okay, bye. Oh, let's see. Next, we've got David and Darren, and but but three open lines after those two. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Good morning, Darren. Hey, good morning. Can you hear me, Brian? Very clearly, sir. Very clearly. So... Thanks for taking my call. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I've got an issue. I've got uh, two red push pistachio trees I planted about a year ago. I've got a northern, southern exposure. One tree was planted on the east side of my house in somewhat shady area. The other one right in the front with full exposure. The one in the front died about three months ago. They're 24-inch box trees. Um, growing well for the entire year, then died, I want to say, September, late September. The one on the east side is flourishing. I mean, it's grown like four or five feet. I mean, it's just great. And I'm going, they're both on the same drip system. Um, so I'm just wondering what happened. Well, Darren, it's, prob- it's it. probably a soil fungus, okay? And that's what kills red pistachios more than anything else. Usually Phytophthora. Okay. And that usually shows up in August, September. And you'll have a tree that yep. looks perfectly healthy, and the next day it's dead. And yep, it moves exactly. very fast through the tree system. What I would recommend, number one, is for your other tree, make sure you're not watering at this time of year. You know, they don't they don't like to stay wet. They don't need a lot of water. You know, I, okay. ideally yeah. on a red push pistachio this year, if it's still leafed out, you water about once every two or three weeks. Even a young tree like a okay. 24. So they just don't want to stay wet. And um, you might want to try a different variety because you know you have Phytophthora in that other area. Or you could treat and plant. But when you, when you plant, if you're going to replace it with another pistachio, plant the tree high. 
They make sure you don't have the root ball covered up with any soil at all so that the root okay. ball that it comes with is exposed to the surface, okay? And okay. really, the maximum watering cycle for red push pistachio in the middle of summer, especially if you're in Mesa where there's heavy clay, would be weekly. Just weekly, not like more frequently. More frequently, you're more likely to kill it because it's like getting athlete's feet. Your feet staying wet, it's those trees' roots staying wet, and once the fungus gets in there, it moves really fast. Okay, because right on the other side of the driveway from the tree that died, I have a Fantex ash, and it's just going crazy. Well, it doesn't Same affect. It, it doesn't affect Fantex ash. Fantex ash are pretty okay. hard to overwater, so you might want to just put another Fantex in where you lost the pistachio. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks, Gary. The advice. You're welcome. Have a great holiday. You too. Bye bye. Uh, David and Mesa. Good morning, David. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Excellent, sir. Thanks for asking. Hey. So I had called you a couple weeks ago about my garden. I had I'd run into some fungus, and you had recommended using Monterey Disease Control, um, which makes sense because I'm trying to do organic and. What I'm trying to do is plan ahead for the spring. Um, I'm growing primarily zucchini to feed uh, bugs, believe it or not. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's, I, I, breed, I breed and raise bugs. It's fun. People oh, are thinking cool. crazy. But no, it's like- uh, I, make, hey, I make a lot of money doing it, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> um, but organic produce is very expensive, so growing my own is, is definitely cuts down the cost. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, with, when using the Monterey disease control, do I do that right away or do I wait until fungus uh, starts appearing? Well, you know, it depends on what you have. Like powdery mildew, you can, you can almost do that as a preventative measure, too. And the thing with a product yeah. like Monterey Disease Control, using it as a preventive like that, is that um, it's not going to hurt anything. You know, you're just putting a bacteria right. on. If there's no fungus there, it's got nothing to feed on. It's going to die. So I okay. would use that, you know, and we've kind of learned that with our roses when we're growing up in the mountains and the by Sholo because of the warm days and cool nights. And that's like the time of year when you're starting zucchini. That's when you really have the powdery mildew and some of those other problems. So if you wanted to use it first, kind of a preventative measure, I think it'd be a good idea. Okay. And what, what time, like in the spring, what, when would be a good time? Because I, I plant from seed. Mm-hmm. Um, am I looking at like February, March, April? What, what, what well, is a good time my, to start my, my, that? my old friend, Farmer Joe, who used to grow watermelons out in Chandler, um, and he grew lots of watermelons for a long time. He would typically plant seed in the ground somewhere around the 15th of uh, February and didn't okay. plant them too deep, didn't keep them too wet. And if it was warm right. enough, they'd come up right away. If it wasn't quite warm enough, they'd come up a little later. You may want to just start your plants to get a jump on things, you know, indoors from seed the, the first or second week of uh, February. And then just take That's the true. small plants out and transplant them. It might be easier to get them started that way. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're familiar at all with zucchini, uh, types of zucchini. I planted one that was like Black Beauty or something like that, and massive, huge plants, gorgeous. But they only produce, I I kid you not, I got maybe 12 zucchini total, and every (laughs) single one of them, no, and this is out of like 10 plants, every single one of them were five-pound zucchinis. They were insanely huge. And I would prefer to have more of them 
but smaller. Um, is there any particular species type? Well, you know, what I, what I would do for recommendations on that, I get a hold of the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension Service, and they okay. and they have two things. They have a master's garden, gardener's program. That's, and the nice part about that, you're getting the benefit of all these people who have done it time and again, and uh, a lot, a okay. lot to learn from experience. Is that something I can just look up online? Sure. With yeah, you, yeah, you, you can just Google the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension Service, and then if you okay. contact them by phone, they, they can hook you up with the Master Gardeners. Dave, thanks for the call. Okay. Have a nice holiday. Yes, absolutely. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, it looks like Troy ran in here, so it's time for the news on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. While we're gone, we do have a line open, the number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. <laughs> when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me. <laughs> David Lee Roth lights the menorah. So do James Conn, Kirk Douglas, and the late Dinah Shora. Guess who eats together at the Carnegie Deli? Bowser from Shanana and Arthur Fonzarelli. Paul <laughs> Newman's half Jewish, Goldie Hawn's half too. Put them together. What a fine-looking Jew. You don't need that the halls or jingle bell rock. Cause you can spin a trailer with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. Both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke. It's time for Hanukkah. The owner of the Seattle Supersonicas. Celebrate Hanukkah. O.J. Simpson, not a Jew. <laughs> but guess who is? All of Famer Rod Carew. He converted. We got Ann Landers and her sister, dear Abby. Harrison Ford's a quarter Jewish. He's not too shabby. <laughs> Some people think that Ebenezer Scrooge is. Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges. So many Jews are in showbiz. Tom Cruise isn't, but I heard his agent is. Well, 
Thanks, Adam Sandler, for having our one Hebrew song. You know, it's funny with, with uh, you know, there's so many nice Hanukkah songs, but mostly in Hebrew, you know. So we didn't figure enough people to understand them. So why not do Adam Sandler? Okay, back to the phones. We've got three lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Paul and Chandler, good morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing there, sir? Great. Well, I got a question for you. I've got a couple of those little banana plants, and I know it's been getting cold, and I was wondering if there's some way I can protect them, or do I need to use, like, some lighting, or what do, do you, you have recommend? Them, do you have them in the ground, Paul, or in containers, or what? how do you have them? Uh, they were in the containers. They're about eight months old, uh-huh. and they got too big for them, and okay. so I just put them along the north side of a patio, uh-huh. which is facing north, so they don't get a lot of sun in the winter, but I did that because the sun would burn them out in the summer. Okay, so what the, the downside to that, Paul, is that they don't get the sun in the winter, so it's going to be colder there later in the morning. And there's a lot of different varieties of bananas, and some are more frost-tender than others. But if they haven't frozen yet, you're doing pretty well, but it hasn't been real cold. What I would do if you really want to protect them is get some stakes. You know, they're like six or eight-foot stakes taller than the bamboo than the bananas. And mm-hmm. buy a piece of frost cloth you can drape over them. And that's going to give oh, you okay. plenty of protection. And if it's going to be really, really cold, like it's supposed to be in the low 20s, you might throw a light bulb in there. Oh, okay. And should I wrap the trunks with like a cloth-like? Or? Yeah, you could. I mean, I, I've seen that done in places where they grow bananas for the, you know, on marginal, like in Louisiana. But I don't think there's really that big a reason to. And, and the, yeah. you know, they're not going to wake up, though, especially on the north side until probably about mid-February or March. And then they'll start yeah, growing like crazy. I just... I noticed the other day when it was really cold that morning, we had ice a couple mm-hmm. days ago. Uh, the bigger leaves, the stalk that goes through the middle of the big leaf mm-hmm. was kind of browning in the center. And I'm like, oh, crap, they got kind of cold. Well, what you, you know? want to watch on bananas, Paul, is if that center stalk and the core freezes, then you want to take mm-hmm. a sharp knife and just split it up vertical and open it back mm-hmm. up so it can come out. Because sometimes they'll get kind of bound up. And then this time of year where they're going to have to go another couple months before they grow, the plant could actually rot and die. So just kind of watch that center stalk. Make sure it's pushing out a new leaf. And uh, okay. I, I would cage them, you know, for young ones. And that would, and once they get a little bit bigger, they're a lot tougher. But yeah, if you just build something there, some type of a symbol structure that could hold up some frost cloth, I think you'd be fine. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Bye bye. All right, bye bye. Uh, Jude and Scottsdale. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a, a couple questions uh, kind of regarding this cold weather as well. I uh, where, where I live, I think it's probably worth saying as well, it's like they're acre lots. So there's uh, not a lot of houses together with the, the additional heat and so forth. And What cross um, streets, I, dude? Uh, Hayden and uh, Shea. Okay. Yep. And so... Um, I have I have a lot of plants and bushes as well. So I instead of spending all that money for the the you know the the right type of uh, covering material, I just you know go to Goodwill and, and buy a bunch of blankets and and sheets and so forth. And and I was wondering one is is that um, good enough? Uh, and and two, I, I just heard you say about using stakes, uh, and I'm going to start doing that. But I it seems like as well that when I put a blanket or something over at the parts of the bush that is touching uh, that the, the cold is transferring through and it seems like they're getting burnt, especially on that area. Is that 
That's exactly that what's, what's happening. happening. So it's developing ice or frost right there on the fabric, especially like on a cotton sheet. And yep. so, yeah, the, the cold will transfer down and just burn the leases in contact with. What, what are you trying to protect? Ficus, mostly. Okay. Um, you know, unfortunately, they're not selling the wilt proof now, but you would probably find it a lot easier with a roll of frost cloth. And, uh, you know, frost cloth comes in these nice rolls that you can roll out over like a hedge of ficus if you want to. And you can yeah, throw a light bulb in there. And, um, boy, it's just you're, you're good, you know. And it's going to be one continuous piece, and it's going to keep the whole thing warm. And it's really not all that expensive, but it uh, it gives you a lot more frost protection than your blankets and things. Yeah. And I, I've noticed that half of the ficus have... Uh, I'm guessing they're, the the leaves are gonna uh, probably uh, uh, die back here, but they're they're brown now. They're not hard, but they're they're brown. Are, yeah, are those, so the, those, are, those are probably gonna fall. But you know, you are in a cold area there by McCormick Ranch, and what happens? Yeah, just is north it, of there. Well, all the cold air drains down there. You know how the water runs through the middle of McCormick Ranch. Um, yeah, that's that's the very coldest. I mean, so water and air are the same thing. When the cold air runs off the mountains, goes down the creeks, down to the you know down through McCormick Ranch. So you're in a yeah. cold spot. So I would really recommend investing in the frost cloth. And if you're okay. cold, that cold of an area, I'd put some uh, regular incandescent, like 100-watt light bulbs in there. And uh, okay. and then you'll do, be protected do, do, for everything. Christmas lights do as well? No. Like old lights? No, even the nine, yep. you know, the, the biggest Christmas lights like nine watts, you know, so it's not very much. And, gotcha. uh, and if you don't mind, if you don't mind uh, uh, another follow question is, so in the back corner of my lot is where it is definitely the coldest. That's mm-hmm. where uh, things get affected the most. And so um, I, 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 I guess it's a simple answer. I guess I should just be taking the temperature out in this area and, and be paying attention to what that's saying as opposed to what's on my phone or, or whatnot, because I have a feeling it is. I don't I don't know. I mean, do you think it could be a good five degrees colder? Absolutely. Than- Absolutely. Or even more. So if you really want to find out, get a little uh, thermometer that does high low, you know, it shows you the nighttime low temperature. Temperature, and you know, put, okay. put them in a couple places. But you know, in our nurseries, I've seen as much as ten degrees difference in our Stanfield nursery from one end to the other as it goes okay. up the slope up a hill. You know, that nursery is about a mile long, but in that mile from the top to the bottom, because it slopes off of a hill and runs into the palm tree farm, um, we'll have a ten degree difference. Yeah, if uh, frost on the grass, does that mm-hmm. mean? That's freezing temperatures, or can you get no, frost? No, you, you can without? get frost and the condensation on lawn. It doesn't have to be freezing. So, should I, if, if there's frost on the lawn, should I be covering or? Be, uh, I, I wouldn't. Be I, w- I wouldn't use that for the for sure indicator. I mean, if it if it's going to get cold okay. enough to freeze, you'll definitely have frost. If we have some, you know, ambient yeah. moisture, so the, that's going to determine how much frost you see. But you know, at any rate, you know, having them wet's good thing. Covering them with yeah. a, a good cover is worth investing in because you have a big investment in those trees. And if yeah. it's that extreme cold, use a light bulb. Okay. All right. Okay. I appreciate the help. Thanks, Jude. Bye bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. We're going to come back with Marilyn and Sun City West. And after Marilyn, we have three open lines. The number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. Brian and Shira here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Tori Barrett here with the news every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM. KTAR. Someday at Christmas, men won't. 
One warm December, our hearts will see a world where men are free. Uh, we do have a little business to do and not a lot of time left. Hope you're enjoying the program, folks. But I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, at Whitfields, we grow trees, all different kinds of trees. Now, you could give your, your mom, if you happen to be Jewish, you can give her like eight trees and she can have a whole complete citrus orchard. You know, you can do that if you want to. Or if you're looking for that perfect Christmas gift, we've got all different kinds of trees, from citrus and palm trees and pine trees to beautiful desert trees, uh, whatever your dream might be. Perhaps a fruitless olive tree, you know, something that can be tough and hardy and grow really well, provide shade and use very little water. And we want to invite you out for your best Christmas tree ever. If you haven't got one, we have plenty. They're beautiful. We have noble firs, grand firs. We have some Nordman firs. We have some blue spruce that are native trees up from the White Mountain Apache tribe and a group with the uh, League of Veterans. And we also have some white firs from up there. Grand firs, probably the most fragrant of all. And Douglas firs with a nice fragrance and a little better price. So whatever your dream is for that perfect Christmas tree, come in and see us. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale, the East Valley or Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue. And we have a Christmas tree lot on Bell Road and 64th Street. We'll be open today from 10 to 6. And then next week, we'll probably just go back to our regular hours. We'll be closing about 530 every evening. But uh, it's different at the one on Bell. We'll stay open a little later on Bell Road, usually till about 730. Anyway, Whitfield Nursery for generations and generations, four generations growing trees, three generations, but the fourth was still around when we started doing Christmas trees. Just having a lot of fun with your holiday spirits. And we've got beautiful poinsettias, Christmas cactus, and those kind of fun things, especially at the nursery at Glendale Avenue and the one at Cooper. We also have some very nice garlands. If you want to bring in that fragrance, maybe you have an 
artificial tree and you want to bring something that really feels like this season, come out and check out the real garland at Whitfield Nursery. Back to the phones. We've got Maryland and Sun City next. We have time for probably a couple more callers. If you'd like to call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Marilyn. Good morning, Brian. Hey, I would like to plant some ornamental grasses in the front of my house. Uh, That faces the north, and I know that's probably not the best exposure, but anyway, uh, I've already had purple fountain grass years ago, and I I don't want that because I don't like the way it spreads, and I've had deer grass, which isn't bad. Do you have any other recommendations? You know, a plant that does really well that will flower in that northern exposure, it's not a true grass, but it's Liriope or Liriope. And liriopes oh grow like a stemmy grass plant, but have a purple flower that comes up through the center. And they'll, uh-huh. they'll actually bloom pretty well on the north side. Uh, can you spell that for me? L-I-R-I-O-P-E. I-O-P-E. So people okay. call them liriopes or liriopes, and there's different ones. And there's, you know, some very small cultivars to bigger ones. But they'll grow into usually about an 18-inch by 18-inch plant. And they can have beautiful blue spikes in the spring and early summer. Blue spikes, okay. And um, can you plant those now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're frost hardy. I mean, they, they grow them a lot in the south. Well, actually, they're grown from Florida to, you know, Georgia, all across Louisiana and Texas. It's, a, you know, one of their number one plants there. Um, do you have those available at the nursery now? Absolutely. I'd recommend something else. Um, <laughs> what about... <laughs> What about the ones that kind of look like they got oats on the top? Well, the the, um, the regal mist with a pink kind of flower. Or, oh, there's there's a lot of different ones. Oh, the curly with the little spiral. Uh, you know, it it'll grow there. Most all the grasses will grow in the shade. I mean, it's not going to oh, hurt they grass. Will? Yeah, as long as it's not oh, okay. set back under an eave. Because what's going to happen is when the sun moves around in the summertime, even on the north side, you're going to get more sun. Um, okay. But they might not look as good and attractive, and they won't grow as fast as something like the liriope would that will grow more shade. But, yeah, there, there's, okay. there's a lot of different ones that would work. Okay, super. Thank you for your help. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. To you Bye. as well. Oh, let's see. Next up, we have Rebecca in Phoenix. Good morning, Rebecca. Oh, good morning, my son. I love you so much. My best Christmas gift. Ever was December 19, 1959, the year God gave me my son to my husband, Jack Blake, and me. Oh, happy birthday, Brian. Oh, I just love you so very much. I'm the luckiest mother in the whole world to get to be with my son, Brian, almost every day at the nursery. What a life we've got. I just love you so very much. And I really thank you. Everything. Well, Mom, you're, you're, you know you're going to make it pretty hard to talk here. Shira's, Shira's <laughs> back here laughing at me. <laughs> oh, I just love you. I just love you. 
Oh, well, we Sagittarius is have a lot of fun, you know, and uh, <laughs> we, we absolutely do. And we got quite a few of us in the family, so we're having a good time. Oh, oh my little boy Brian, born St. Joseph Hospital, <laughs> December nineteenth. Well, I love you too. Fifty-nine. I love you and love you and love you, and and every day's Christmas for for us. Every day we get to enjoy God in our life. Every day, and I just think. God from our whole family. What a family. Oh, four children. I got to have four children. And now 18 grandchildren. Oh, how could anyone have a better life than me? Thank you, God. And I love you, Brian. And happy, happy birthday. Okay, well, make it hard to talk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we are so fortunate. If everyone in this whole world could have what we have. Oh, what a world it would be. And no one shows more love than you do to everyone. And thank you for that, Brian. Just thank you for always having God in your life. I love you. I love you. I love you too, uh, Okay, I got, I, I got to say goodbye on the air now, but thanks for calling, Mom. Uh, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank happy you. birthday. <laughs> what a gift from God you've always been. I love you. I love you, too. Bye-bye. 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 Okay, so, Mom, it's a little hard to say goodbye. <laughs> but, uh, you know, folks, it's, it's kind of hard to beat that Stevie Wonder song. And, and if we can have that thought for someday at Christmas, uh we can work together, love each other, be as one group of mankind. And I don't mean to exclude women by saying mankind. It's just the old way of saying it. But uh, we are here in a special place at a special time where we can make the difference. And uh, it's, it's up to us to uh, make this world better. And so from the bottom of my heart, I hope you all have a good holiday season. And uh, let's work together to make it a better world. Be back with you next Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the program. And it's kind of tough when your mom calls. <laughs> anyway, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And uh, hey, if you're a Kwanzaa person, hope you have a good time as well. We'll be back with you next Sunday with the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show here on 92.3 FM KTAR.